Um, Our reading this morning is from Colossians chapter 4, reading verses 2 to 6. These scriptures, um, which I'm about to read, are described as God-breathed. They are his word and his gift to us. Um, If you don't have a physical copy of the Bible, there is some at the back of the church, um, and we'd love you to have one, so feel free to take that home with you. We are told of God's divine love for us through these scriptures, and God reveals his character to us. After the reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, and we will all respond together, thanks be to God. So let us settle our hearts and hear what the Lord has to speak to us um, this morning from Colossians 4, um, 2 to 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison that I may may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech also uh, always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to ought to answer each person. And let us pray. Uh, Thank you, um, Father, for this beautiful, cold, crisp morning. Um, and the gift that it is to be gathered here together. Lord, through the day-to-day busyness of life, I just pray that you'll continue to remind us why we're here, um, to spread the gospel, and that you'll give us the courage to do that with our friends, families, and those around us. I pray that you'll be with Andrew over in Vegas as he preaches later on today, and for safe travels um, as he heads back home. I pray for Alan that you'll bless him and speak through him as he comes up to teach these passages in Colossians. Still our hearts and our minds and open them to hear what you have to say to us this morning through um, your word. Pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, if you don't know me, uh, my name's Alan. Um, I am one of the pastors in the church here at Village. I'm usually not here on a Sunday, though. I'm usually over in uh, Village East, uh, which is where my wife and I and our three kids, uh, we worship, um, and we're part of the church family there. But it's really good to get to come back over here to you guys in South. Um, I always do enjoy visiting. Um, it's usually in this kind of capacity. Um, I'd like sometimes to be able to maybe be there as well and sit and just be part of a gathering. Um, uh, but it's, it is just great to be, to be over here. And we had a, a situation this morning where it was bring your kids to work kind of day for me. Um, and I, I, there's something really nice about that too. I want them to experience the church family here. I want them to grow up and to be able to, to get to know uh, the kids who are here in South because there is that kind of connectedness between Village East and Village South. We are one family in that sense through congregations, yes. But um, it's always nice for me to come over, and it's great for me to be able to bring my family now as well. So thanks for having me. Um, when Andrew asked me to preach, um, I uh, decided on uh, doing something that I had done in, in Village East a few weeks ago because I thought um, we had done our family trait series, which you did over here um, in South as well, uh, which is really just a, a series that we do every September to think about Uh, who we are as a church, uh, what really um, makes us the church that we are here in 
Belfast in 2022, uh, the kind of foundational um, things upon which uh, everything that we do uh, kind of flows from. Um, and really, uh, within that, there was... Um, Having done our family trait series with our gospel community and mission, uh, we felt in East that it would be good to sort of do almost like a, a 2.0 or have a, an, another uh, look at what it looks like to be missional as a church. And so uh, when I said to Andrew about coming and, and speaking, um, I thought this would be a good one for, for you guys as well. It's a few weeks after, yes, the family trait series, so hopefully it's still fresh in your mind. I think it will be. Um, but this this morning is going to be thinking a little bit more practically um, and deeply about what it looks like for you guys here um, in this part of Belfast over here on the Ormer Road to be missional, to make Jesus Christ known here. Um, our mission statement, we, we thought about that throughout our family trait series, uh, which you'll see on the screen. Our mission statement, it reads this, Village Church Belfast desires to be a gospel-shaped community of people who love Jesus, each other, and our city of Belfast, and beyond that as well, as we join God in the renewal of all things. This is who we want to be. Everything that we do as a church is to this end, to be a, a gospel-shaped community of people, those who have been saved by Jesus Christ, adopted into God's family, changed by the gospel, who love Jesus, love each other, and love our city of Belfast and beyond as we join God in the renewal of all things. That's why we, we do everything that we do as a church, from kids' ministry to missional communities to Sunday gathering like this. Um, it shapes and it drives everything. And uh, I heard a, a pastor in another church not that long ago asking this question to his church, and it, it resonated with me, it stuck with me, um, on the morning I heard it, I thought, he's, he's really gone for it there and asking that question. But it was something that um, it made me think, and, I, and it made me really consider our church, especially Village East, where I'm kind of based most. But I thought it was an applicable, applicable question for all churches, really, to ask themselves, and for us here this morning to ask ourselves in the church in South. Here's the question. Does our church have more of a cruise ship men mentality or a lifeboat mentality? Does our church have more of a cruise ship mentality or a lifeboat mentality? Now, it might not be very clear and obvious what the pastor was getting at when he asked that question, so let me explain a bit. Think of a, a cruise ship for a moment. The primary mentality or the, the primary function of a cruise ship is to look after those who are on board. To keep those who are on board comfortable, happy, having their needs catered to. That's the, the primary mentality on a cruise ship. But think on the other hand about a lifeboat and what the mentality is on a lifeboat of those on board. The primary concern is not for those who are on board, but for those who are lost at sea. It's uh, the RLNI, the, the Royal Lifeboat uh, National Institute, I think that's what it is, I think. Um, but they have on their website what they are all about. Their vision is to save lives at sea. That's it. They are about saving those who are lost and in desperate need of rescue. And so as that pastor asked that question to his church, does our church have more of a cruise ship mentality or a lifeboat mentality? Do you see what he was getting at? 
are we as a church only concerned for those on board? For those in, in this room, those inside the church, in the family? Or are we as a church just as concerned about those who are out there? Out there in the world. Those who are lost. Lost not at sea, but lost in sin and in desperate need of rescue. It's quite the question, isn't it? You can see why it kind of resonated with me whenever he asked it. And it did make me stop and think just how easy it is for churches to become very inward focused. I'm not denying that, that loving and caring for each other inside the church it is vitally important. It's crucial to our life together. We looked at that um, as we, we, we did our family trait series, Life Together in Community. It's, it's actually about um, our love for each other uh, is a witness to the world out there. So it is really important that we do care for each other, support each other, bear each other's burdens. There should be an inward focus. Discipleship and maturing in Jesus through hearing and, and reading and reflecting on God's word together, that is crucially important. Meeting to, to live lives together, to, to share life shaped by the gospel, that is crucially important. But churches must never forget that out there, all around us, there's a sea of people who are perishing without a savior. The apostle Peter, he says in, in 1 Peter 2 that God has graciously poured out his love and his mercy on us. Not because we deserve it, but because he is loving and gracious and merciful. He has raised us to new life in Jesus Christ, given us a living hope. And why has he done that? Well, Peter says in verse 9 of chapter 2, so that we proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We've been saved from sin Adopted into God's family. Given this hope for the future. Security in Jesus Christ forever. But we haven't been saved just to have a one-way ticket to heaven on a cruise ship. We've been saved from our sin through what Jesus Christ has done for us. So that we, we can be those who call others to come to Jesus Christ experience salvation and life in him God works in us but God also works through us to bring people to himself call people out of the darkness and into his marvelous light our purpose is to glorify him and to make him known in this world here in Belfast in the jobs that we do in the places where we spend our time, in the families that we have, in the friendship circles that we are in, we are called to live in a way which brings glory to Jesus Christ and which shares the, the life-given hope of the gospel with others who don't yet know him. The question is, how do we do that? That's the, the question we're going to consider this morning. How do we do that practically? What does it look like to make Jesus Christ known. Because I think so often in the church we do have this desire. But often we don't know how to do it. 
What's the right way to do it? What's a, a way that actually is helpful for others out there, which uh, is shares the gospel in a relevant kind of way with them? Well, that's what we're going to think about a little bit this morning. And this is a very simple sermon because I'm a very simple kind of a person, but uh, I hope it's practical and I hope it's helpful in, in maybe just bringing you to a place where you can start to think about this week even, what it looks like for you to be missional with others in your life, to share Jesus Christ with others that you rub shoulders with every day. I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into Colossians 4 uh, and see what Paul says for us here. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the amazing truth contained within it that we have not because of anything that we have done, but we have been brought from, from death to life. We've been brought from darkness to light because of your great love for us, because you are merciful and you're gracious. Um, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for giving yourself for us. We thank you for uh, how you're in heaven right now even, praying for us, interceding for us on our behalf, helping us in our need by supplying us with what we need to be able to live for you and to glorify you in this world. Lord, I pray this morning that this, this uh, will just be a, a way for us to understand a bit more about what it looks like to live for you practically, to serve you, uh, and to share the hope that we have with others in our lives. And I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So three things for us this morning, how we uh, glorify Jesus and make him known here in Belfast and beyond. And the first thing, very simply, is that Paul says, we pray, we pray. I told you this was going to be a simple sermon. Well, the mission to, to make Jesus Christ known in this world, it starts on our knees in prayer. Look what Paul says in verse 2 to 4. Let me read it. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Prayer, really simply, prayer is just us as creatures showing our dependence on God who is our creator. It's acknowledging that he is the one who is in charge. He is the one who has power and authority over all things, not us. He is the, ones, the one whose plans and purposes are unfolding in this world. Uh, and when we pray, when we enter into God's presence, when, when we commune with him, it's like we are saying, God, I am trusting you and your plans. I am trusting that, that you're the one who will supply me with what I need. I am showing God that, that you are the one who is all-powerful. I am completely dependent on you. Prayer is foundational to our mission as a church. We're called by Paul here to be devoted to prayer. You see that? To continue steadfastly in prayer. But do you see why? See why Paul says that? Follow his train of thought in these verses. Paul says, be steadfast in prayer because he knows that, that the only way for, for doors to open, for lost people to hear about Jesus is if God is at work. And so in prayer, we ask him to work. 
And Paul knows that the only way that people can have the mystery of Jesus Christ actually uh, come alive in their hearts is if God is at work in their hearts. He says in another verse in 2 Corinthians 4 that it's God and God alone who has the power to shine his light into people's hearts to give the knowledge of his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. So in prayer, we ask him to do that. And Paul knows that the only way for our hearts to be changed, to truly love and show compassion for those who are lost around us is if God is at work. If he is changing our hearts by his spirit, he asks this church to pray for him as well. Do you see that? Those who are working with him as well, he asks for prayer for them too so that they would make Christ known as they should. That the words that they even speak, that they would be words that are from God, not their own words. That they'd be clear in presenting Jesus Christ and faithful in making him known. See, in all things here, Paul knows that God is the one who is in charge. He knows that salvation belongs to the Lord. The power to to bring people out of the darkness and into the light, it belongs to God. The power to to bring people from uh, spiritual death and to raise them to new life in Jesus Christ, that is a power which belongs only to God. And so if we, like Paul, have a desire for people in our lives to come to know Jesus Christ as we do, then we must pray to the God who has the power to do that. To pray steadfastly to him, consistently, intentionally even, specifically about what's going on in our lives and the lives of others around us. That intentionality in prayer, I think that's what Paul is getting at in verse two there, the end of it where he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. That word watchful, in the Greek, it literally means being alert, being awake or alive to what's happening. And so Paul's saying that we should pray in this kind of alert and awake manner. We don't pray in a vacuum. We pray kind of taking on board, uh, including in our prayers, what's happening in our lives, what's happening in the lives of those around us. When we're being watchful in prayer, we're, we're aware of the needs of those in our community. We're aware of those needs so that we can then bring them before God on their behalf, interceding for them almost. When we're watchful in prayer, God will, will put those cares and concerns of our work colleagues or our neighbors or our friends, he'll put them on our hearts so that we can be intentional and specific in praying about those things. And as we pray watchfully, well, well, I think that's when we will realize the, the doors that God is opening to us. I don't know if you ever find that, but whenever I am being watchful and alert, praying for something specifically over a period of time, it's probably when I'm most aware of what God is doing, doing in me, but also doing around me as well. And I think that's what, what Paul is getting at here. Just having an awareness of, of the way that the Lord works, seeing all things, all of the reality that we live in as a reality that, that God is working in. Paul says when we do that, when we start to see those doors opening, opportunities arising, that's when our prayers will then overflow with thanksgiving and praise to the God who's opening those doors and at work. I'm bringing this home to us now, as we think about making Jesus Christ known here, 
what does it look like for, for you to be consistent and intentional in prayer? Could you be more consistent and intentional in prayer? I know as soon as I ask that question, you probably feel like I do. The answer is yes, always yes. Because I think when it, when it comes to prayer, we often feel kind of guilt or, or fear even about having not done enough. Resignation maybe about our prayer life being not where we would love it to be. But you know, here's the thing about, about continuing steadfastly in prayer. One thing that I, I, kinda, I think has come home to me more and more is we as a church have thought about what it looks like to abide in Jesus Christ. Abiding in Jesus for me has become more of just being always aware of God's presence with me. Always aware so that I'm almost always in kind of constant conversation with God. Yes, there are set aside times where we are called to go and to pray. Andrew's preached in that before. Jesus Christ did that. He took himself off to the quiet place to pray. Yes, absolutely, we should do that. Being consistent in doing that. But I think so much of our lives, we kind of make prayer about that and not all the rest. For me, so much of the time, prayer is when I'm walking down the street and something comes into my mind and I, I give that to the Lord there and then. Or when I'm driving in my car and I think of that need of someone in my life, I'm being alert, awake to what God is doing and I pray for that. I think that is a large part of, of what being consistent being steadfast in prayer actually looks like. And I think that's when we start to even kind of see the doors open that God is opening around us. We're aware of those things. What would it look like for you to, to pray intentionally as you go to even open the door to go into work tomorrow? Or as you walk to work, maybe, and you walk past the houses in your street, praying for those people who live on the other side of those doors. It doesn't have to be door related. It doesn't, it could be anything. For me, what, what I used to do when I played rugby, when I went to rugby training every Tuesday and Thursday night, I would sit in the car and before I went in to the changing rooms to be surrounded by a group of boys who none of them knew Jesus Christ. I would pray in the car, something really simple. Lord, please help me to be a light in the darkness here. Give me the words to say, if someone does talk to me about what I've been doing this week, what I'm doing this weekend, help me to be bold in sharing something of the gospel with them. What could that look like for you this week? The doors that open, they may not even be to, to kind of share the gospel with someone or to speak anything about Jesus Christ with them. It might be a door to serve someone. It might be a door just to, to come alongside them and to support them and to love them in a way that Jesus Christ would. What would it look like even this week for you as an MC to, to start to, to spend some time in prayer, specifically praying for others in your life who don't yet know Jesus Christ? Consistently as, as, as brothers and sisters together praying for those people. Setting aside a little bit of time to do that. That's how we help each other. That's how we encourage each other on mission. Prayer, foundational to the mission. Do we see that? 
Let's be a church that's consistent and steadfast in praying for those who are lost. How can we, as a church, make Jesus Christ known here in Belfast and beyond? Firstly, we pray. We pray. And secondly, Paul says, we live wisely and purposefully. Look at verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Now, you can see what, what Paul's assumption is here with this church in Colossae. His, his assumption is that they are actually living out there. That they are living lives that are outward facing. They're living their, their daily lives, going about their daily business amongst outsiders. Those who are outside of the faith community. And that's, I suppose, the first question for us in approaching this is to ask ourselves, are we being disciples of Jesus Christ who are living our lives amongst outsiders? For some of us, yes, that's just natural. It's almost a silly question because most of our week, most of the time that we spend is amongst people who are not part of the church family, who are not followers of Jesus Christ. But for others, that might be an important question to ask ourselves. Paul, he isn't talking about being amongst unbelievers in a way that I'm often amongst people at the bus stop waiting for the glider, where I'm kind of around them, but I've got my earphones in and I'm just kind of standing beside them, not talking to them, not kind of living my life with them at all. I don't know anything about them and they don't know anything about me. I give them a, a polite smile, maybe a hello sometimes, but that's not living wisely, living purposefully amongst outsiders really looks like. It's not what Paul's talking about. What he has in view here is, is actually our lives being lived in full view of others outside of the church, having them in our homes, inviting them to be, be part of things which are very normal to us and to our families, developing deep and authentic relationships and sometimes I think as Christians in the church, especially maybe here in Belfast, where there are so many others who are affiliated to a church, so many others who maybe would call themselves Christians, this is where we can potentially be a bit more inward focused in living our lives for Jesus. It's, it's much more comfortable, much more safe to, to just kind of surround ourselves with Christian friends all the time. The danger is if we have very few meaningful relationships with those outside the church, with those outside God's family, then where is the opportunity for us to even share Jesus with others outside the church? A question worth asking ourselves maybe this week is, how much of my week is spent with those people who don't yet believe in Jesus? How many of those people would I consider friends, not just acquaintances? People who, who I know things, specific things about their lives and they know specific things about my life too. Paul says we're to reach people with the gospel. If we're to show them what, what the gospel actually looks like lived out, then we must be living our lives amongst people. We must be living in a way where we have that kind of depth of relationship. And, and in East, we um, in our church there, we, we've kind of made a few changes within our missional communities to help uh, us actually have margin or space in our lives to be able to do this. Because I think what can happen a lot of the time is, uh, as we grow as a church even as well, and, and there's more happening, 
the margin in our lives can become squeezed where we just don't have the time to be able to spend meaningful, proper, purposeful time with people who don't yet believe in Jesus. I think that the danger, that, that happens for me as someone who works in the church. For me, I played rugby until a few years ago and that was the primary place where I had non-Christian relationships, really deep non-Christian relationships. But since stopping playing rugby, a lot of that has kind of lowered. I need to be aware of that. Maybe you do too. There is a, a, an example of, of this whenever I was uh, preaching this in East, um, when I was thinking about uh, someone who actually is living his life um, alongside a friend who doesn't yet believe in Jesus. And the way that the, the kind of depth of relationship that they have, it actually allowed him to invite others from the church uh, to actually kind of become friends with this person as well, or to, for that person to kind of get to know others within the church. Um, and this person... Um, she was spending a lot of time with others from the church, not a Christian, but um, she was someone who was intrigued by them. Just the way they lived together, the way they loved and served each other, the way they interacted together. Uh, and for her, this was really caused her to be curious, to ask a lot of questions, to want to find out, uh, well, what is it that kind of brings you people together? Why is it that you live like this together? Isn't that what we want in our MCs? We want to be able to invite people into that so that they experience Jesus Christ through the way that we live and interact together. It's a wonderful witness. And none of this is easy. Being wise in the way we walk towards outsiders, making the best use of time, it requires a level of sacrifice. It does. Sacrificing our comfort, our money, our time to develop those kinds of relationships, to go out with those people from work for a drink after work is finished. Or, or to be a parent who invites someone that we meet at the school gate to come with us to the park so that we can get to know them a bit better. Or, or to have those neighbors around for dinner. Living like this, it requires sacrifice, but also a level of vulnerability too. When we are opening ourselves up, opening our homes up, our families up, to invite people in. A brilliant story came to mind um, whenever I was thinking about this as well. With a couple in our church, a husband and wife, um, they, uh, their neighbors on their street, they were having a bit of work done in their house. And so they invited this couple to come around uh, and to have dinner. They have three kids. Uh, they're a bit older. Um, and their teenage kids came around. The mom and dad came around as well. And they were sitting down at the table. The food was all there, um, ready to be eaten. Uh, and the husband uh, of the couple that come to our church, the husband... He just said, we usually pray uh, and thank God for the food before we eat. Would you be happy if I did that now? And the dad of the family who come around, he said, absolutely, yeah, go for it. Uh, and this guy, he prayed. And his wife, it was funny when I was talking to him afterwards, his wife said, in that moment, the temperature in the room just shot way up for her. And she's not usually like this, but she said she felt quite uncomfortable because she thought, how are these people going to react? Are they going to be really weirded out by this? Us praying before we eat? Um, uh, but it was really it was brilliant talking to the husband because as he listened to that, um, he said, but do you know, if, if I hadn't prayed, well, that would have just been inauthentic, wouldn't it? Because this is what we do every night. As we sit down for a meal, we always thank God for the food. Uh, and being wise in the way that he did it, I just love the way he asked the people would they be comfortable with that. 
inviting them into it. There's a level of vulnerability in that. But it's an amazing witness to Jesus Christ, isn't it? And you know, since then, I preached that in East three weeks ago. And after the service, the couple were there. The wife came up and said to me, she didn't grab me by the neck or anything for saying, you know, I, I was outing her compared to the husband, making her look bad. But she said, do you know what happened after that? The mom and that family, she texted afterwards and she said, do you want to go for a walk? They met up, they went for a walk, two hours. And she kind of just explained their lives and where they were at. They'd been to church 10, 12 years ago. Their kids have never been to church. Um, but since then, they, they actually, that, on that Sunday I preached, they were having them back for dinner that night. Conversation that could happen around that table, just off the back of, of, of saying grace, of saying thank you to God for the food. Amazing the doors that God can open whenever we're willing to trust him and to put our neck on the line for him. How do we reach people? Really simply, Paul says we pray and we live wisely and we live purposely amongst unbelievers, making the best use of the time that we have with them. Finally, Paul says we speak with grace and we speak the truth. You might know uh, the famous quote from Francis of Assisi. Uh, He said, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Now, while Colossians 4 strongly agrees that our witness as Christians is shown to be authentic and real by our lifestyle and our actions, it fundamentally disagrees that we can preach the gospel without using words. See, five times in these five verses, Paul uses words which refer to spoken phrases, conversation. Word, declare, speak, speech, answer. Words are important because it's the gospel message which has the power to bring about salvation that's what paul says in romans 1 16 he says i'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god to bring salvation to everyone who believes it's not that our lifestyle and our actions don't matter but unless we speak of the hope that we have then how will will people know why we live in the way we, we do How will they know about Jesus and his grace for us that changes us to live in these ways? It's hard to do this. Knowing what to say, knowing when to speak is difficult. But we're called to go and to tell others the truth about Jesus. To do it in a way which is gracious. Full of grace, Paul says here. Seasoned with salt. Look at at what he says there in verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I think there's a few things in this. Speaking with grace, uh, that season with soul, it's not that we're always going to be, be speaking of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, or we're, we're always going to be speaking about the life-transforming news of the gospel. It's not that. But what does it look like for our conversation, our speech, to be seasoned with that, to be, to be flavored by that? That's what Paul, I think, is getting at here. For the gospel to shape and inform the words that we use, the way that we even speak to others. That that would transform our workplace. That would transform our home, our friendship groups. When we are, like Jesus, being the peacemakers with our words rather than conflict starters. Being those who are quicker to speak words of encouragement to others, words to build them up, 
rather than words that condemn. Being those who, with our words, are quick to forgive. Those whose conversation is filled with compassion and care for others. That's why I think having our, our conversation, our speech, always being gracious, seasoned with salt, that's what it looks like. And do you see what happens whenever we speak like this? See what Paul says? The questions will come. See, in the second part, he says, let your, your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. When we live like this, when we speak like this in a way that's filled with grace, people will wonder why. This is not the way of the world. This is the way of Jesus Christ. And so they will wonder why. And, and in this, Peter, he talks about a similar kind of thing in 1 Peter 3, verse 15. When we revere Christ in our hearts, when we honor Christ above everyone else, and we exalt him in our lives, when our lives and our words are shaped by Jesus Christ, then Peter says we are to be ready, be prepared. He says, be prepared to give an answer. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Be ready to speak the truth. Be ready to, to point people to Jesus Christ. To say something of the gospel. Not in an antagonistic way, trying to win an argument or a battle, but doing it in a way that's gracious. Doing it in a way that's gentle and respectful. Example of this, when I was preparing, I was thinking of a, a friend of mine who isn't a Christian. He, he came around, we had, a, we had a, um, a baby recently, she's 11 weeks old now, but he came around uh, early on whenever she was born and he was holding her and he has a, a child of his own and he looked at Maddie, our little girl, and as he looked at her, there's something about looking at a baby where I think people just have a level of vulnerability, you know, when they just open up a bit. And he said, it's a crazy world that you're going to grow up in, little one. Um, and when he said that, it really struck with me. Um, and I just said, it is. It's mad, isn't it? But that's why I'm so thankful that Jesus is in charge and he knows what he's doing. And when I say, I don't know why I even said that. We've had many conversations before, me and that guy, about Jesus. He's been quite cold and distant. But I, I said it just as a, I feel prompted to. I'm going to season this conversation with something of Jesus, something of the gospel. Do it in a way that's it's filled with grace, not confrontational. And he, he didn't say anything in response. But I, I just pray that those are maybe the opportunities I get with that guy. And I pray that God uses that. What might that look like for you again this week? There's so much more to say on this. Time's getting away. But we want to, as a church, help you to know how to speak of Jesus. And so you're going to hear in a few weeks um, about some evangelism training that we're doing over in East again in South. You're very welcome to come along to that just to help us think, especially in the lead up to Christmas, a time when people are probably more open. Um, what does it look like for us to actually know what to say and, and to speak of Jesus? We're going to be doing another Hope Explored course as well, starting in January off the back of Christmas. So again, look out for that. Um, I think there's probably going to be one over here in South specific for you guys. Um, so those are just ways uh, that you might be looking and praying ahead uh, for opportunities to share Jesus Christ with others in your lives. How can we as a church make Jesus Christ known as I finish here? Three simple practical things that Paul says in Colossians 4. Pray, live wisely and purposely towards outsiders. 
and speak the truth, speak with grace. And as I finish, it's really important that we know, everyone in the room here, that none of these things are what make us followers of Jesus Christ. None of these things, they make us more acceptable to God this morning when we pray more or when we go and we live in these ways or we speak of Jesus. It's, it's not that these make us uh, more loved by God. We are accepted by him already if we have trusted in Jesus Christ. If we trusted in Jesus for salvation, then God's love for us today is the same as his love will be when we stand before him in glory. But if we are people who have trusted in Jesus' love for us, then the Bible says that we will be changed by his love for us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, Christ's love compels us, controls us. He died for all that we should, uh, that we who, who live should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us, who was raised again for us. Christ's love compels us to go into the world to love others in this city by pointing them to the Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ's love, it, it drives us to our knees in prayer. It, it changes us to live these gospel-shaped lives which draw people to Jesus. And that's why, as we finish now, like we always finish in this way as we come to the table because we always want to be reminded of Christ's love for us in this meal as we come for communion, we remember that, that we are God's people, not because of what we have done, but because what Jesus Christ has done for us. We remember that as we come to the table and we receive the bread and the wine, Christ's body broken for us and his blood shed for us, we receive God's grace once again. His grace that he poured out for us through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. We remember that without Jesus, we too would be lost. Without his sacrifice, we would be hopeless. But now, compelled by Christ's love, we go to others to show them that there is hope. Amidst the hopelessness of this world, there is hope in Jesus, hope of life in him. And so as we come forward this morning, Let's remember what Christ has done for us. Let's ask God to change us by that love and to send us out of here to share Christ's love with others in our lives. Will you stand with me? I'm going to pray and then we're going to come to the table. Father God, we thank you that through Jesus Christ, we are loved and accepted by you. We stand this morning, Father, as your children who have nothing more to do uh, to, to make us acceptable in your sight. It's all been done by our Savior, Jesus Christ. We stand in his grace. We stand in his righteousness. We stand in his love today. Uh, and Lord, I pray that that will be something that you drive down deep into our hearts so that, Lord, we're, we're controlled, we're compelled by Christ's love for us to go into this world and to share with others the hope that we have in Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we come to the table this morning, that we would be able to, 
you just remember and reflect on your goodness and your grace to us. And that that is, uh, Lord, you've saved us so that we may proclaim your excellencies to the world out there so that others are brought from darkness to light just as we have been. Lord, the gospel is a beautiful thing. It is wonderful news for all of us. And I pray, Lord, that we live in a way that shows the beauty of the gospel. I pray that we, that we speak in ways that point others to the beauty of the gospel. And I pray, Lord, that in doing that, that you will draw people to yourself through us. Work in us, Lord. Change our hearts. Help us to see people as you do, for our hearts to break for people. The way, Jesus, that you were heartbroken when you looked at us. And I pray, Lord, that, that you'll just send us out into this world to be salt and to be light, to share the hope of Jesus Christ with a world that's perishing and in desperate need of a savior. Thank you that you're the one, you're the one who has the power, Lord, not us. May that free us, may that liberate us, um, and may we trust you then, Lord, for salvation with those people in our lives who we desperately would, would love to come to know you. We pray these things in Jesus.